0: Hi everyone, it's Mandy with Global Hemp Association. I just wanted to give a shout out to all of our sponsors. It's been incredible working with each of you. Without you, we wouldn't be able to complete the projects that we have and get our seeds in the ground for this year's fiber variety trials. So thank you for everything that you've contributed. anybody else if you're interested in getting involved and want to contribute or sponsor please reach out we can make it happen hello hello derek thank you so much for joining thank you everybody else it's yeah. online oh i'm excited about this conversation about everything that you're you you've got going on uh, i was just in the background talking to derek and got into some conversations and was like wait 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 let's wait and save these for online because um uh, uh, there's lots of lots going on and i love connecting and connecting people and so for those of you that don't know derek please uh chime in uh we will be sharing contact info, so please don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions for either myself or Derek. But thank you very much for everybody that supported us, for our sponsors, with our seed trials. Our data is now out to our sponsors, which has been really exciting. So, um, And then we will be presenting a lot of the data and having diving into some of it at NoCo. So for those of you that are going into NoCo, I hope to connect with you there. But Derek, I wanna pass this over. We only have an hour. Every time it seems like we don't have enough time or, or it seems like an hour is a long time. And at the end, it always goes by fast. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for those who don't know you and you've been in the industry Definitely.
1: for a long time. Um, wow, so we've been growing hemp now in South Carolina since 2020 um, under Bosville Farms. Uh, we started actually practicing or in testing some of, some of our skills in 2019 um, in Texas and whatnot. So we, we've moved our operation here to South Carolina because our greatest land masses here. But uh, I'm Derek Muhammad. I, uh, I'm a graduate of Prairie View A&M University, Prairie View Agriculture and Mechanical University, proud graduate uh, from 1990. And, you know, uh, I graduated with an engineering degree. And uh, one of the things that uh, has always really, really, really stuck to me is our farming background, our tree farming background in particular uh, for my family. Uh, I come from a, from a family of loggers in South Carolina and we've grown trees most of my life. Um, so, you know, that that's pretty much my background. My, both my grandfathers were farmers. Um, one of my grandfathers, my paternal grandfather, uh, he was the older of the two uh, by, uh, like 20 year separation. Um, and he taught me farming and how to grow. Uh, my maternal grandfather taught me about, uh, trees and land and understanding, uh, the business side of things. Um, neither of them were educated. Uh, I, I think my, uh, my maternal grandfather, his, his uh, highest grade level was the third grade. And, uh, my mother, um, after him, too. yeah it's crazy right but and and, and what he did for us is it, huge but uh, he left us about 2,000 acres of land to cultivate and continue to push the family legacy. so I'll get get into that a little bit more here in a few minutes.
0: Well, you can, you can keep going. I would love to hear about it. I And of course, uh, just for anybody else that may be wondering, we will be talking about those pictures behind him. I'm excited to hear about who they are as well as your team. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about, about your team. How did you guys come together? What really made the transition for you to say, Hemp is It?
1: Well, uh, in 2018, I lost my mother. And we, uh, she was the president, CEO of our logging company. And so we were looking for ways to kind of turn the operation to something new and profitable. Uh, My uncle's, uh, my my family is very unique. I think um, my grandfather started a logging company in the 40s, and it continued until 2018. Uh, His children, all of them worked, pretty much all of them worked for him. At one point in time, um, he had two children that never worked, really worked for the business, but most of them came together. They build a, a very successful logging business, you know, here in the low country in South Carolina. Uh, Gordon Logging Company is the name of the company. And um, that business continued to grow. And I learned a lot from him regarding trees and land. Uh, and he told me, uh, he said, the biggest lie that's ever been told is money don't grow. And I I thought that was like crazy at that time. It's was like, "What are you talking about?" And he would say to me, "It's like, well, see those trees over there?" and He was pointing at pine trees or oak trees at that time because that's what uh, we were into. He said, "When I cut those trees down, I drag them across the scale at the at the uh, farm at the uh, plant. They pay me money." He said, "So it proves to you that money grows on trees." He said, "Well, when I do that, I go buy more land." And so uh, that was one of the first lessons that he taught me. The next lesson was, is everything comes from the land. And he would tell me, never sell the land. Uh, and because he would point out his truck, he said that that old beat up truck, pickup truck that I have, that came out of the ground. The clothes that we're wearing comes out of the ground. The food that you eat comes out of the ground. And so he says to be truly independent, you must own your own. So those those lessons stuck with me throughout the years. Yeah. As I continue to travel and see the world. Uh, I come from a very small town in South Carolina it's called Estill, South Carolina. And and you will know people from Estill because we pronounce it Estill. Everyone knows <laughs> it a, a, a different way. Uh, Estell is mostly what most people say. But it's E S T I L L, South Carolina. Small town, one traffic light, in the center of town, that type of thing. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, the county seat is in Hampton County. And uh, that's where we actually started growing uh, hemp on a commercial level. Uh, So, you know, my grandfather um, was very, very smart, uh, very, very wise. And being his grandson, he gave me a lot of wisdom, a lot of pearls. You know, he actually cried, though, when I left to go to college one of the things that he would tell me all the time is I can teach you everything you need to know about business. And, and, uh, you know, he probably was correct at the time. Uh, I think what I really learned by traveling and going off to college in Texas is, uh, how, you know, what the rest of the world was doing, you know? Yeah. I left, I left that small town in uh, the mid eighties to go to college at, at, in Texas at Prairie View and, I actually started out at Bishop College in Dallas, Texas, and then transferred to Prairie View after Bishop College closed in 1987. So, you know, it was a, I was away from home. Transition was crazy. You know, I didn't know anybody in Texas really. But uh, two friends of mine and I, we left Bishop College, headed to Prairie View, graduated. But he told me I could probably teach you everything you need to know. And I believe that he probably could, but, you know, making that transition to the big city, uh, from that small town, really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I wasn't privy to uh, as I was growing up between, you know, uh, to the age of seventeen. And so, uh, going going away, I lived out on the west coast in Arizona for ten years uh, between uh, 2003 and 2013 is where I first heard heard of hemp. And uh, you know, at that time it was sort of taboo, but uh, I, I I started to learn about what the many uses of hemp were. And so as I learned and I and I uh, picked up more information and you know the internet is a wonderful thing uh, most times you know when we use it for education and so I found a lot of information out there about hemp and about CBD in particular at that time because the industrial side of it was not mentioned, you know, very very remotely in some other countries and things of that nature, but nothing in the United States, been, you know, in the early 2000s. And, and to up till you know, probably 2015 or so is when I first started to see the textile side.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but, you know, learning uh, more and more about the plant and coming home and seeing our business, you know, my uncles and my mom, they were getting older and, you know, they wanted to retire. But they didn't have, you know, we, we didn't have a way for them to pass the business on because most of my generation, being the first generation to go to college, we kind of uh, all found other places to live. You know, I stayed in Dallas for many years and, and then moved. Uh, Getting away
0: from that small town.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, you wanna see what what goes on, experience yeah. and whatnot. So, you know, Once I left Texas and I moved west to Arizona, further west to Arizona, uh, I got to experiencing a totally, totally new, entirely different culture there. And uh, I'm glad I did because, again, that's why I first started learning about CBD and Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Of course, cannabis in general on the West Coast is pretty much uh, everywhere you go. You can pretty much get a, a great education on cannabis and things of that nature anyway uh moving home it it was interesting because um the business was was pretty much uh slowed and hemp you know was was a booming thing at the time for cbd and uh, i literally uh, uh one of my one of my mentors carson r thompson you should go look look him up he's a spry 84 year old uh, he helped build the Tandy Corporation, uh, Tandy Leather, and uh, the Bombay Furniture Company. H- huge in the business world, you know. But he's a very down-to-earth, very uh, great teacher. And uh, he and I became friends because he wanted to learn more about social media uh, at at the age of uh, eighty something, <laughs> I think, or, or uh, seventy something like that. And <laughs> I knew about social media so so we we sat down we became good friends and we literally worked on the business plan for bossville for over a year every day almost you know we put wow. in time yeah researching uh, flushing out you know information that we needed you know we did uh, financials for five year projections for five years um I mean, we, we flushed it totally out, you know, and and he, you know, he would tell me stories about, you know, his triumphs with Tandy Leather and the, and, uh, the Tandy Corporation. And many of you probably remember them, those stores as a, a Radio Shack, mm-hmm. you know, Radio Shack was huge and he was a big part of it. The Bombay Furniture Company was huger and he was a big part of that as well
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> and the leader. Yeah. So so I learned a lot about the business side for him, but he cautioned me on many occasions um, about, you know, being careful to to consider all of the aspects of what you're getting into. And he also but he also told me, you know, the only way to make it happen is to go. Go do it. And so once we flushed out everything, we were sure that, you know, my plan was solid. Uh, I just hopped. I hopped out and started to grow. Uh, the first year we grew a total of five acres in Hampton County, um, but we um, for CBD. Yeah, for CBD. So we grew three acres on our on the summer land, uh, which we did. We did pretty well uh, because we had we had uh, we knew all the things that we needed to do. There was no water source there in the beginning, so we drilled and. And we had we put a well in place. Uh, we understood, you know, just what we needed to do pretty much to get it done. And we were pretty successful that first year. Um, uh, we grew there. And then we also grew in Collinson County, South Carolina, which is uh, uh, Jacksonboro, uh, which is near Charleston. And uh, we grew two acres or so there, which was very successful as well. So uh, that was the first year. Yeah. So we did, in 2020, we did pretty well. Uh, we, um, the growing piece was the easy part. Um, but believe it or not, the second pieces of the puzzle, of getting it processed, then became, you know, the, the where we ran into, into a lot of issues. Um, yeah. And, and the first, and so, you know, COVID was going on, so there was a lot of people staying at home. Nobody was really really at work Uh, we found a couple places that we could use for drying facilities but you know that kind of uh, went south but we we uh, continue to work Uh, what i did find is that uh, throughout the entire process when the bubble was start beginning to burst in 2020 and 2021 we 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 were fortunate that we uh, understood branding one and we understood that we had to build a brand in order to stay in business. So what you see behind me is some of some of some of those things that we've been working on now for the last few years to to build. Um, just like everybody else in the hemp industry who are uh, new experts, <laughs> call us. Uh, you know, with the limited knowledge that we have, um, you know, we're doing the best that we can, and we uh, we've proven out a lot of the theories that were out there in the beginning. Um,
0: so the are things- you fiber now? I mean, I uh, see some we, pretty crops back there. Are you guys doing fiber?
1: So we've done fiber and we've done CBD, but yeah. So you see those pictures there in the background. Uh, my son and myself, uh, we are standing at one of our stands. Uh, we worked with Clemson University, Kelly Flynn. Yes. Uh, at Clemson uh, to do uh, some variety trials. So uh, I was sitting down with my son uh, last night, we were looking at, we have literally grown about 15 species of cannabis or hemp in South Carolina. And we've grown now in five different counties in South Carolina successfully. Uh, that is fiber that you see in the background. Our tallest plant uh, with that trial um, was 23 feet tall. And that was a Puma version. Puma variety, okay.
0: um,
1: and uh, that—that's what you see there. My wife on the other side here, she's standing in our Jinma uh, mm-hmm. trial. We took a picture of her. Uh, Puma and Jinma, Jinma are very uh, similar in their phenotypes or physical uh, attributes. Uh, they both grew very, very tall, uh, pretty, uh, pretty rapidly, uh, surpassing. And I think our average plant was about. Twelve to fifteen feet tall, and the tallest of those were uh, twenty-three, as I said. And then Mock came in close second uh, as far as uh, height goes. Uh, and then Abound is one of the versions of industrial that we grew And Laura, uh, they well, were. What did just?
0: The last one was.
1: Uh, Laura. Laura. And the one before like, that. The one before that was Abound.
0: Abound. A-B-O- okay.
1: We were and so those were very short, and but they grew flowers very quickly. Uh, Yuma grew uh, to about four and a half feet. Uh, Yuma with the Y, uh, and it had flowers. It flowered very very early in in our climate. And the, you know, these I, I, this is information from the low country of South Carolina. I want to make that distinction because it's, it is a it is a big distinction. All climates in the state aren't the same as all know. Uh, TS-77 was a, was another uh, genetic that we grew and Anka, And neither one of those really grew at all in our climate or in, in the trials that we did. So um, again, at the end of the uh, process or at the end of the growing season, uh, Kelly came, she took her samples and I was like, well, what do we do now? And she was like, uh, they're yours, do what you want. And so uh, I started to <laughs> <did you> know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, okay, uh, what do we do? So it took it took a while, but you know, I, I I have been fortunate really to visit a lot of farms and a lot of farmers in uh, various states, and I built a huge network of people that I know. You know, like you know, going to conferences and. Visiting with people, you know, we're the small guys and we get overlooked quite a bit. But you know, we do big things here, and uh, uh, that's that's why it's bossy. But uh, <laughs> but you know, I was <laughs> exactly I was given that by my grandfathers. But okay. I just you know uh, understanding, you know, the different uh, how how the plant then matures and then what do we do next with them? You know, once you grow it it's the next stage is normally where you know the, the chasm exists between you know getting it processed and making it into something useful so we have uh, we've been able we were able at that time to network with a few people and one of my friends precious Jennings uh, hey precious she may be on today uh, she came she oh, and I put God. our say again <laughs> yeah she and I God, put God. our here. I didn't I didn't hear you
0: I just said shout out to precious
1: yeah shout out to precious I appreciate you uh, uh precious but tr- precious and I put our heads together and we uh, built some primitive tools uh we 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 researched and found some tools of how hemp was broken back in the day to to separate the fibers in the herd and so we built those and in my backyard we were out there just hammering out uh you know, some hemp stalks and and then we use some combs and combed out the fibers. So we have actual fibers and herd that we grew uh, on our farm. It's not a lot, but it's mostly for demonstration. But, you know, we have that. And now it gives you the opportunity to be able to put something in someone's hands and say, hey, this is what where this comes from. This is what hemp fiber looks like. Because in the beginning, no one knew. I mean, uh, no one in my circle knew anything about how to do this. At least if they did, they didn't tell me and they, you know, what. But, you know, we, we figured it out for for the most part uh, by just networking and continuing to build, you know, like you and I met at a conference yeah. in West Salem a couple years ago, just continuing to build and continuing to make it happen. Uh, it hasn't been easy, but, you know, what I found in some of my research, uh, and I'll take you back really quick in south carolina hemp started hemp was first uh, used on a commercial basis uh, in the 1700s Uh, and it was mostly used for maritime purposes or you know naval ships and uh, ropes and things of that nature Uh, there was such a thing as uh, black hemp and white hemp and in charleston uh, and and they got their names from their uses, basically. The black hemp was the ropes that were tarred so that they can make them waterproof for the ship's anchors and sails and things of that nature. The white hemp were spun into finer uh, versions of the uh, fibers to make mm-hmm. uh, clothing and yeah. sack bags and other industrial purposes or, or textile purposes, and so that was interesting to know. But hemp um, had big fights in South Carolina when it came to other commodities, rice being the number one, and believe it or not, um, the second one uh, is uh, the dye. What's the dye? Uh, Pressure is going to kill me um, for for forgetting this, but. Uh, rice was a big, big, big uh, uh, component,
0: commodity. yeah, uh,
1: commodity at the time that farmers, all of the farmers were in, in, in a lot of debt in South Carolina. So they used uh, rice to pay their bills, indigo. So rice and indigo were the two huge commodities in the early 1700s. Uh, in 1730, though, there was a uh, proclamation made from England. And uh, they commissioned uh, a couple people to come over and start trials and uh, they were passing out seeds uh, to everyone who grow. And so in the mid 70s, between like uh, 1700s, I'm sorry, uh, between 1700, between 1730 and 1738 or 40, there were huge, huge uh, advances on bounties. They called them paid for people to grow hemp. In South Carolina, uh, because it was found that you know the, the soil and the climate here were great for to produce hemp, and at one time uh, it was said that South Carolina could produce enough hemp to uh, source to the entire uh, um, England and some of the surrounding uh, cities in Europe. So uh, it was it was a big deal, you know, but it never really caught on because uh, people were really stuck on rice and indigo at the time. Then, of course, the Revolutionary War happened, and, you know, it became a battleground for a few years. Uh, when it came back in the late uh, 1700s, um, then cotton kind of jumped on the, on the bandwagon. And of course, we all know the history of cotton in the South, and uh, we're trying to help turn that about. So, so you know, hemp has a great history really in South Carolina. We've done a few things. Uh, it was said in, I think, 17 uh, 1766, more of the backwoods, they call them farmers. They grew enough hemp that uh, they thought hemp was going to be one of the biggest uh, commodities in the, in the country. But, you know, it just didn't happen. Uh, you know, prohibition came about and, and things just kind of, went south also you know i, I don't think many people uh, know about logging and the history of wood him you know especially no. in south carolina pine pine trees are a big commodity in the low country and in south carolina in general and so tree farming uh, the lobby for for those who were in tree farming uh, really really pushed down a lot of the advances that hemp had made because trees were, of course, being used uh, in great numbers at that time because we were building roads and houses and and expanding mm-hmm. west at, at a very rapid rate. And so trees became one of the big uh, uh, commodity producers for the state and still is to this day. You know, we were in logging, my, my family's been in logging for over 70 or nearly 70 years now. And so, that's a that's a big testament to how strong that industry is in this area. Uh, hemp does threaten to supplant it, because you, as we all know, you know, one acre of hemp can produce as much as four acres of trees, and we're and we believe um, that we have a great opportunity to to produce here.
0: So, I have a question about your trials. You yes. said. That- you now, some of the varieties you mentioned, flower early, um, what's, what is expected yield or what are you guys getting per acre um, on some of those varieties, like Genma, Yuma, Puma?
1: Well, we, the, the Puma will produce the, the heaviest or the most tonnage uh, because it grows so, so big, so rapidly. Uh, we don't have, I don't, I don't have at the, at, at my fingertips those numbers, but Puma and Jinma substantially uh, help when it comes to tonnage. Uh, Yuma is a smaller plant, it will grow smaller in this region, um, and uh, and it's just a little bit less of a, uh, a heavier uh, or a stock, smaller stock-producing plant than-
0: Maybe the- more fiber-focused than
1: a- more, Right, exactly, more fiber-focused, definitely. Um, definitely.
0: Are you guys processing? or Are you guys moving any of the material through processing?
1: Well, other well, than we work
0: like you did in your backyard on small scale.
1: Right. So we have, we've uh, started on a uh, journey, so to speak, to create a processing center here in the Low country. Uh, we've already uh, gotten incentive, incentives from the Department of Commerce South Carolina and uh, we're working with our local uh, business uh, people here in, in the low country and uh, economic development to build a processing center in the low country to handle the needs of farmers that are going to be going hemp help the in near future. Uh, this past year, um, go ahead.
0: No, you go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I want this past year.
1: I was just gonna say, you know, this past year, we worked with uh, Biofield and David Canby uh, and some, and to grow some Yuma. It didn't do that well, uh, but you know we're looking forward to growing uh, Puma and Gemma. You know we've sourced some seeds and we're looking to uh, to purchase those and get some seeds in the ground. About 500 acres worth of Puma and Gemma this spring.
0: Excellent. How are you guys harvesting?
1: Uh, harvesting is done the traditional way. We use uh, um, some of the sickle blades to uh, cut the plant down and then um, bail them or bundle. And so I have my, my own, it's not necessarily theory, but I have a method that, I would look, that I'm working on to help preserve the fibers and some of the herd uh, loss by bundling instead of baling. In the early days, you know, bundling was huge uh, because uh, it helped keep the fiber strong, st- longer, and strong. And the same, uh, all going
0: same direction, right? There's a yes. lot of there's a lot of talk about it being, you know, yeah, feeding through in the same direction to keep the fibers cleaner or get them cleaner, and exactly, yeah. Yeah. yes, yeah. I'm interested in that. Are you redding, like laying it down to red? or
1: yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So we we did red, um those are some of the notes that we we were we were able to take this year. We read them for a couple weeks, and yeah. before we actually brought them in to process them, and we and we bundled them. We didn't we didn't bail uh, one because we have we need equipment for that, which we didn't have at the time. Yeah, and uh, we want to uh, you know prove out that theory. And coming from a logging background, having a bundle of, it is similar to trees. You know, you mm-hmm. see a yeah. lot of. Highway. Similar. So, you know, we want to prove out some of those uh, theories. Uh, and I think that in the next, in the coming year or so, we'll be able, to be able to bring some more of that data back and share it with the world.
0: So from processors, right, that you'll be selling material to or potentially be that processor, what are some of the key things they're looking for from you as a farming group or a farmer?
1: Um, so I I want to close the loop kind of on this. you know, sure. the farmer farm, I want the farmers to be a part of the processing
0: yes
1: and and the reason being is number one, it's going to help their bottom lines, right? Uh, number two, it gets them more involved in the growing process and more uh, entrenched in the growing process and they can help bring to us. The types, what we're looking for. So if you tell a farmer, I'm looking for a plant that's going to give me this type of fireboard, this type of herb, I need these seeds. Uh, being them being a part of that, the closed loop process helps them to understand okay, I brought this to the table, let's look at it and see if it works or if this is what you want. If not, I can go back and do something else. But having them to be a part of that and being paid from the offshoots that that plant. You know that they grew brains. I think that's very, very important because uh, in order to keep farmers farming, we're going to have to help them make money.
0: Yeah.
1: And and the big and the big deal right now is farmers just aren't making money. Yeah. You know, and and um, especially you know black farmers in the state of South Carolina. The ones that I've talked to, it's very, very difficult uh, to to really bring home a living wage so that you can take care of your family and pay bills and, and whatnot, you know, so uh, we're working on a actual plan to bring that into fruition where the farmers who are growing for us will be a part of the processing piece or understand the processing
0: piece. And Almost like a co-op all. model, you know, would they be paid a portion of what they bring basically or, okay. Yes. But, and and the, really-
1: I Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, I think that call it whatever it is, whatever we want to call it, right? Being able to give them a piece of that higher value material once it's been processed or turned into mm-hmm. even a composite, right? It's because like it or not, our farmers are always cut off at the knees with price. And we've really got mm-hmm. to change that paradigm. And Right. Cool.
1: And see, now, you know, we'll be a part of being able to say, uh, you know, your products went to the animal bedding industry and these profits were made from that particular offshoot from, from That's that. Industry. Well, yeah. You'll get an override from that in some kind of way, but yes, the co-op model is what we've been looking at. You know, co-ops are, are a way of doing business and, and they're a business model that we, we have explored. Um, and I think it, it's going to really help us here in the low country of South Carolina. Excellent. Well,
0: I'm interested in how trials, you know, continue down there, and especially with the cotton, you know, industry and yes. so much of cotton dying this year. I don't know that dying is the right word. the The loss of production this year compared to past years. I think that it really is opportunity time and opportunity to you know, introduce the new crop and and link arms with some of these existing industries. Um, I was really curious about you know hemp production in rice fields. So it was, I'm interested, you know, how is it viable now? If somebody has got a, a rice field, um, are they transitioning to, to hemp or is the moisture and the water? Yeah, I'm kind of curious.
1: Well, I think, you know, from the different parts of the low country that we visited, we, we like I said, we've grown in five different counties now. Um, and all of them uh, have proven, to be the more successful growers, I think mm-hmm. that I think that the it, it doesn't matter because hemp doesn't like to be soggy necessarily or right have wet, right wet feet wet feed is the industry's uh, lingo yeah. that we use a lot of times we um, we try not to go into those areas uh, we try to stay in areas that are higher elevation and has good drainage yeah. where you know, it won't, so rice fields, I I say that,
0: yeah, yeah, just because of the, well, that's, that's what I was asking, you know, knowing how, how uh, rice is grown, it, yeah, it's a question that had come up, so what, how do people get in touch with you, people are looking to work with you, or support, or get involved, or talk business, you know, how, how do people reach out,
1: Absolutely. Uh, we're at bossvillefarms.com uh, It's our website um, You can email me at info at uh, dot com. Oh um, We're on all social media platforms pretty much. Uh, we haven't started our YouTube channel yet but we're on all social media platforms um, uh, one, that I, one that I definitely need to mention and, and this is something, you know, technology is is a huge part of what we do, you know, my family, my uh, my oldest son is our is a licensed drone pilot, and we took a class in July, uh, in for drones. And so what we've been able to do is uh, fly over our fields and collect data that gives us feedback through some software that helps us to make determinations on. Is enough for do we need water there do we need fertilizer Do we, what what's the soil types how are, are the plants looking you know are they healthy you get you can glean a number of uh, things from those pictures and some of the software uh, that it gives you so uh, we offer those services as well airbox that's a shameless plug <laughs> but i
0: love uh, it yeah
1: we, we definitely want to to be able to and I think it's important that we bring uh, farming to present day. You know, a lot of farmers right now are still doing things and, and they work, a lot of them, but we have to engage uh, people who understand technology and how to apply it to farming and how to apply it to agriculture so that we can move agriculture forward. You know, when, when I was young and I remember this, uh, you know, I remember this well, my oldest grandfather, and I say he's my oldest grandfather because he was 20 years my uh, youngest grandfather, senior. He had a mule and a wagon, you know, and we would go to the farm and he literally would put, you know, he had a mule that pulled the sled and things. I remember those things from being a young child. But, you know, now we are in a, in a situation where technology has, helped us in many ways and if we use it properly it can work and so drones are one of the things that we're looking to uh, to help us you know grow our business help us with our bottom line help us do things that we normally could not do with traditional uh, farming practices so uh, the drone technology is huge you know we're even looking into ag drones that will be able to fertilize and spray our crops from from the air
0: Pesticides or anything.
1: Well, we try not to use pesticides, no, I mean, you know, but, but definitely.
0: Well, for what I mean, I'm, I agree, try not to, right? But there are circumstances where it may be necessary in a certain region where you can isolate or mm. uh, something that was really eye opening for me, right? As I was talking to one of my girlfriends about updating her technology and getting away from her field staff you know, documenting everything on paper, and then not getting those papers. So therefore, you're missing that data. And I was like, well, why not just switch? And she was like, switch to what? And I was like, we'll use this software. It's on their phone. She's like, we don't get cell service out there. We don't get internet out there. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, there really are still some things in agriculture that us sitting behind the computer or in the machine shop are very disconnected from. Definitely. Or even... You know, another one that was really eye opening with the drones that was really powerful is, you know, that your fields dying or that your, your water line is broke before you lose agriculture. Right. And yes. so the ability to see that way before the damage is done or before it's too late and you've got huge, you know, dead patches um, that that's game changing for a farmer, especially a small farmer moving into a new commodity or a new crop. And Indeed. so that's awesome. Awesome. Awesome
1: we definitely you know the drone technology i think is going to catapult us into a new stratosphere in a sense because it gives you such a detailed overview of what your field oh. is, you know and that point of view from the sky is really awe-inspiring really when you start to see your land from from that point of view and, and you get a live shot of what's going on really is a pretty
0: pain it's pretty exciting okay so what, what does future of acreage look like in south carolina you know what what does scale look like and what do you guys need yes. in the region to really you know grow or to really make it an opportunity for people to for it to make sense financially to get into
1: well you know um, i think we've laid a pretty good foundation um, with information and we've shown that, you know, we have, it's just not a one county, it's several counties in different parts of the state that have grown uh, successfully. Now we just have to put the next pieces in place a supply chain to help us move that along from, to grow it, to scale it, because, you know, we don't want to grow 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 acres and then, not have a place to process those or not have a place for the farmers to take them to, to get paid. Uh, so that's our next piece. That's why we're working, uh, you know, at a free pitch to get the processing plant, uh, going, you know, like I've said, we have incentives already from the state and in, in the uh, millions of dollars, uh, but we're looking for, you know, uh, partners, uh, financial partners to come in and, help us to move it, to expand now. You know, we've, we've proven it. Uh, we've shown that we can uh, duplicate it if we need to. Now we just need to scale it up um, via processing and and continue to, to grow. One of the big parts of what we do, Mandy, and, and I'm so, uh, at one of the proudest moments that I have is our uh, parties. We have 420 planning parties every spring. And uh, for the last two years, we've had them. And to see someone's face touch a, a seedling uh, of, of hemp, you know, and and to see watch them marvel at, wow, that is it. That's the plant, you know, because it's been taboo for a hundred years. So it's so many people that always want they have interest. So we bring people to the farm and we let them take a, a plug and put it in the ground. Say so you planted a plant. Take a picture with it. You know, this is hemp. You're you're a part of the new revolution and. States, especially. And uh, those things really are are what we are about. Yeah. You know, we're about teaching and helping people to understand what this plan is. And that in itself has alleviated so many barriers uh, between us and the local population because in the Low Country, you know, uh, cannabis is taboo. You know, it's called by as many street names, and, and you know. But uh, when people saw the fiber, they had no idea what that. Is. I've never seen a plant that, uh, uh, you know, we plant that tall is what we hear often. You know, even the <laughs> state, even, even the uh, the state agencies, uh, South Carolina Agriculture Commission, when they came to do testing, and you know, young ladies to our farm she was blown away she was like i've never seen a plant that big tall but you know it's it, we're, it's a learning curve for all of us we're learning we're sharing the information that we have and we want partners that will that can help us move forward, move forward
0: yeah okay so you know you hear all the time in the industry start with the end in mind when we talk about what we're putting into the ground in your region, what would you say end products are going to be? You know, I think it's going to be textile focused, composite focused. Um, oh, you know, I'm kind of curious, just and, and I ask because I think it plays, you know, a huge role in what we're putting in the ground or the type of fiber we're looking to harvest. Or, you know, a, I've seen a few different times some beautiful, beautiful plants. But the lignin on them is so strong it makes them next to impossible to separate the fiber, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like this, you know, balancing act of what works best. But yeah, what's your opinion on on those end materials and targets you guys are going to go after?
1: So I want to focus on uh, long fibers, strong fibers. I think that you know those that are, are very strong, we can build machines that will help us to. Separate those fibers in the future. I think that we definitely want to uh, look at the herd uh, industry, building supplies. You know, we've been in logging for for seventy years, so we want to look at mimicking a lot of those supply chains. In a sense, you know, we want to supply uh, herd and dust to people who want to make paper, and you know, we have big, huge paper plants here in the area. Down just south of us, Savannah, Georgia, is some of the huge, huge paper mills there. Uh, so we want to, you know, kind of mimic some of those supply chains. Uh, well, that's a wood like
0: material, right? It, it's going go. to be working alongside or with those other materials as blends or substitutes or. And the logging industry and the paper industry and anybody that uses a byproduct of wood is looking for a substitute that is more economical and environmental. Regenerative,
1: that's it. Regenerative and yes, smart. So, so that's what we're that's that's where we're going with that. You know, we're awesome. going to try and mimic that supply chain. Some we also want to get into uh, understanding cotton, how cotton and. and we use this term before and I we, we all talk about we don't like to use it, especially uh, my guy bare fiber, cottonized. <laughs> he, hates <That'll> that. <laughs> he hates that. But in a sense, you know, it looks like that. Cause you know, we were able to, to separate some of those fibers and and it breaks down. It looks like, you know, it's cotton S, you know. But you know, uh, we wanna look at challenging all of those industries and making all of those uh, those offshoots are part of various industries, building textiles if necessary. Uh, if we can get there, uh, you definitely you know the ports are here, you know. Uh, so getting something to the port of Savannah and or the port of Charleston, and getting it exported, you know, we want to look at all of those uh, opportunities that are available to us, you
0: know. Mm-hmm.
1: So, like I said, our next goal is getting the processing plant going and here in low country, you know, Mm -hmm. there are lots of people working on various things, but I think us being in this part of the country with the supply Mm -hmm. available through farms, you know, we have Mm -hmm. quite a bit of farming here that can supply a processing plant and keep it running, you know, probably six, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and, and we also we already have LOIs from people who are wanting to buy fiber from us when, when when we're ready, you know. So we we're lining up all of the pieces, you know. We've we've grown it, uh, we've processed it, processed it so that we can have uh, demonstrations for various people. We've networked with various farmers. We have commitments from farmers all over the the Low Country now to. Grow uh, this coming year. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we have a place for them to take it and process it, uh, get it done. You know, we've spoken to a couple of different uh, vendors when it comes to equipment for processing, uh, two, two different processes all together. And we want to put both of those in the same building and use it to for various purposes, which we'll go into uh, at a later time.
0: Um- is moisture a concern? Not really,
1: you know, um, it is very humid in this area, but the plant does love humidity. What, what we found growing CBD and, and the uh, industrial uh, plants, uh, that the moisture is good in the air and, and they like it. Also
0: it also loves daylight.
1: It does love, love daylight, it does. You know, and so our saws have proven to be good Our atmosphere, your very pressures are good. We don't get many uh, rain to uh, torrential rains in the area. We did get a few last year, but you know that's uncommon. Uh, But we're looking to do great
0: things from the Low Country here in South Carolina. I think that's great, great, great. So, um, how how can we help? How you know somebody's looking to connect? Who who fits inside that box?
1: Um, well, you know, we've, we've stayed self-funded for a reason. Uh, We wanted to prove our concept and I didn't want to spend somebody else's money trying to prove something that I thought might work. Now that we have proved it, uh, we're looking for someone who is uh, open-minded, someone who will, can come in and understand the full process you know, this is not something that is going to turn around in six months or a year. You know, we're looking for someone who who wants to see hemp become a a staple in the economy of South Carolina, and uh, you know, with resources that can help us move the ball forward. You know, that's and and you know we. One thing that, like I said in the beginning, you know, my grandfather taught taught me, you know, you you have to own, you know, you need to own your land, you need to own your, the mill, and 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 in this sense, the process of plant is the mill for us. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what our goals are. That's what we aim to do, and we're looking for people who want to, you know, join with us. Yeah. Well, you know. Go ahead. No, you go. We I, saw I, I, I love
0: listening. You know, Keep going.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, it's important for me now, you know, um, in my mid-50s, I, my, my children, I, I've been blessed to have, uh, between me and my wife, we have 10 children. And seven, seven of them, seven of them have graduated from college.
0: Dang, good job.
1: One, one from Harvard. Has a, he has a, a master's from Columbia. My oldest son graduated from my alma mater, University, um, and you know we—they've all graduated from other prestigious universities uh, in throughout the United States. And so we—we—I'm big on teaching them now what my grandfather taught me. <clears throat> Excuse me, but <clears throat> I Take want to you to understand understand the importance of owning ownership and passing it on to the next generation. My oldest son has given me a a granddaughter and Mm -hmm. I laugh at him. (laughs) I laugh at him often uh, as he matures as a dad, you know, Uh, but uh, you know, we want to make sure that when she gets to the age of maturity and uh, we we're hoping that, you know, she understand. We want to teach her that important to them, so she can give it to them and and, and the other grandchildren that that we have. So, uh, yes, that's, I,
0: you know, that's something. I, that, it's something that's so lost. I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago with a friend. You know, you used to see farm acreage and property passed down to different generations, and now, you know, after so long, people have sold it <laughs> off the, the ability to maintain that farm, you know, for generation after generation, I can't remember, I think it's less than 1% of, of farm owners are fifth generation, you know? And so what do we do to reverse that, that it is, it's an asset that you guys coming to the table with land is a huge value add to a project like this, especially initially on reduction for so many reasons. And so, yeah, I commend you and I I'm impressed because it really is a matter of changing the paradigm to a different way of thinking and adding a new crop into rotation that it requires a whole new process. The mill is no longer just the mill, right? It's exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah and it's it's yeah. a great thing, you know, it's a challenge, but you know, I often say to myself that um we my grandfather did it with a third grade education. Surely, surely, I can do this with a college degree or two. You know? seven. And
0: you have you have seven not <laughs> And right. no big credit to those without the college degree, right? Because there's oh, absolutely a piece absolutely skill that yeah,
1: the yeah. amount just, of
0: knowledge these kids have had at the tip of their fingers, it's it's mind-boggling and it's
1: unbelievable. Yeah. It really yeah. is. And, and so we just we're trying to teach them to use that information to build something for yourself, so, you know. And everybody who who might have joined late, like, these pictures behind me are actual pictures from our farms. Uh, here, that's me and my son. That's Coach Coach Thomas Dawkins from Estill, South Carolina. He's been the Ag Director there for many years. And over here, that's my wife in uh, one of the plots that we grew. I think that's Mop. And this, this is a picture of the a tractor of ours, oh, wrong way, tractor of ours uh, actually dr- driving behind. So you can see how tall the plants are. At, uh, the, yeah. And so, you know, we we I thank you very much, Manny, for having me on and allowing us to uh, talk about some of the things that we've been able to do. Yeah. You know, we're the little guys. and. and you know, we've done this all of our out of our pockets and from our own uh, networking with farmers and with business people, and you know, just talking and telling a story and listening to what they have to say, and then going back and putting those things into practice on a daily basis. So, you know, we we thank you again and we appreciate it. We're looking, you know, if you want to connect, please reach out to me. You know, we're open. Uh, we love to talk. Um, you know, everything is pretty dead right now. So it's really not a whole lot to see. Uh, We did, we did some, some, we were, I I just finished some trials with this new, uh, when the cold front came through, it killed everything. And someone was saying, you got to cover them. I was like, I don't, you know, that, that would defeat the purpose of, of uh, the trial. You know, I don't want, I want to keep it in as natural of an environment as possible. And I wanted to study what happens, you know, what, How long does it take to grow from a bud out of the ground to an inch, two inches, three inches, and you know share that data? I think is important, and so you know we 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 try to keep it as uh, natural as possible. Um, You know we are doing some stuff in hoop houses now for some of the CBD plants. We're still growing those because we have a brand to supply, and we want to make sure that you know we continue to, to give. Good products that you know uh, and sell good products to people uh, but you know we're definitely looking to grow the, this this textile and the fiber side of the business to uh, great great heights
0: well let's continue to be in touch i'd love to support you I, there's lots of questions that will come in about Especially farming, and I want to give a big shout out and a thanks to you guys. Reality is, is none of us processors or distributors or manufacturers or material science engineers could do it without you and your group. And so, thank you and thanks for all of your hard work, especially on the research side. It's a whole different ballgame, starting from the seed and the soil, you know, in a new industry to picking up some, some processed material and turning it into a composite. And so, thank you very much for everything you're doing and I'll say it again, we can't do it without the farmers. So for any of us out there that are in this business, keeping them in mind is our number one priority. And so you definitely see birds of the feather flock together and more and more you're seeing support, I hope for farmers and for your group. And so thank you very, very much, Derek. Thanks for everybody on your team. Anything else you want to add before we close off and say goodbye for the day?
1: Uh, Just please go to the website and uh... Sign up to our mailing list. Go to our social media platforms and follow us, please. Thank you very much, Mandy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It looks like, how do we contact or connect with you, Derek? I'll share contact info again, but you want to say it one more time just so everyone has it?
1: Yes, uh, bossvillefarms.com. You can email me, info at bossvillefarms.com, and you can see us on all social media platforms at Bossville Farms.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much. Anybody have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out or holler at any time. Thank you for everybody that joined next week. We have many more fabulous interviews. Jay, um, who was the founder of the global hemp innovation center is going to be on on Tuesday at 10 AM mountain time. And so it'll be a great interview. You can find all of our events and interviews listed on either friends or globalhempassociation.org under the events tab. Um, other than that, you guys, thank you so much for the great week. Thanks for everything, again, that you're doing, Derek. And don't hesitate to yell at me if there's anything I can do.
1: we Will do. Thanks again, man.
0: Hey, thank you, guys. We'll see you later. Hey guys, it's Mandy with Global Hub Association. I just wanted to give a quick shout out and say thank you to all of our incredible sponsors. We couldn't make this happen without you. If anyone else is interested in sponsoring, don't hesitate to reach out to me. We can make it happen. Thank you again.